Well, it is good to be with you today. It's just good to be in church. Uh, Pastor Roger asked me, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that I remember as a kid not ever wanting to be asked, and that was, when was the last time you were in church? Uh, so it, it's, it's been a while. A couple of weeks ago, I was in a, a senior Sunday uh, over at A&M United Methodist Church where I used to serve as pastor and where my son is now the youth director. So uh, directing youth in the church where he was a youth, uh, I, can, I can't even imagine. Uh, so, uh, but it was, it was fun, fun being there. But it is, it is great being here. I've, I've, I've been keeping up with all the kind of restrictions of the COVID limitations that we've been on, lifting some of those, uh, and, uh, and being able to be here, celebrate communion with you. This is a, this is a huge day uh, for me. I know you're keeping uh, Pastor Roger in your prayers. We are too. As he mentioned, we've been uh, friends for a long time. I, I don't think we have eaten anything but Mexican food uh, together. But, uh, uh, but fortunately, we both like Mexican food, and, and, uh, and we enjoy that. He did tell me that this is a bang, bang, bang thing for the preacher. You know, you, I go from here to middle service to, to a late service, and he says, you know, you've only got like about 15 minutes in between. And I thought, well, he's never really heard me preach. Uh, so we won't have that much time in between, probably. But, uh, uh, but it, is, it is fun uh, to be here and to, to be able to uh, preach a sermon that if it has a title, it's, 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 it's time. I don't know if you've ever heard or said those two words. I can't remember hearing just those two words without it being a pretty profound moment. Uh, I remember about 35 years ago hearing those words. I was a chaplain, Wayne, at, at a hospital setting, and, and uh, after hours I was doing a little marital counseling with a couple and, uh, and, and I was in the office, and, and in the middle of the session, there came a knock on the door. And, uh, and it was another chaplain who knocked on the door and said, your wife just called and said, it's time. <laughs> well, I knew what that meant was our first child was on her way. And, uh, and so I looked at the couple and said, you're good, uh, and, <laughs> and I'm gone. And so I, I left, and three hours later, we had a baby. Uh, so uh, I, I get it's time. That same baby, uh, just uh, uh, about um, eight years ago, was uh, getting ready to walk down a makeshift wedding venue that a day before was a cow pasture, because, you know, heaven forbid that she could find a church. And... Um, <laughs> And so we're just about ready to walk down the aisle, and, and, and I looked at her and said, it's time. Uh, you know, those words are pretty powerful words. You just think of when you've heard them in your life, uh, and, uh, and, and they're powerful. So Paul was uh, writing to the Corinthians when he offered those words. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm just going to read the first two verses. Uh, hear now the word of the Lord. Listen, listen to every word of this because this is just a powerful couple of verses. I mean, when it begins by Paul saying, as God's co-workers, right? I mean, what a, what a wonderful 
wonderful title. That's a title we have, church. We're God's co-workers. Uh, that's, that's a pretty big deal. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the time, uh, in the day of salvation, I helped you. I say to you, today is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In this one, one small passage of scripture, uh, Paul points out the profundity of the present. It's time. Let us pray. God, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in thy sight, our Lord and our God. Amen. Amen. So as I look at this, at this passage of scripture, it seems like Paul is telling the Corinthians and thereby telling us, it's, it's time. Uh, he, he says it's time to stop running on empty. Did you hear the not in the very beginning? We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Do you know what it's like to receive something in vain? I'll go to a few ball games every now and then. Uh, 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 Coach Johnson, who was here for a while, I met him at, at A&M uh, when he was a coach there, and then followed, came to a few games here while he was uh, coaching here uh, years ago, and, and, uh, and I go to a few, uh, I've been going to professional ball games all my life, big baseball fan, and I've got a, a, a running argument with one of my buddies, and that is, what would happen if I ever caught a foul ball. Now, I've been going to games a long time. I'll be 65 this, this month, um, which I tell, tell the bishop, you know what that means? This means I'm Medicare eligible. So uh, as soon as I stop having fun doing what I'm doing, I got options. <laughs> Uh, so, um, but I, I, I've been going to games a long time, and, and, and my, the argument is this. My, my young friend, who's probably about 32 years old, uh, and a friend of my son's, and we go to games together, and, and, and he says, uh, if I ever catch a foul ball, I, I'm giving it to the closest kid. And, and my take on it is, that kid's waited like eight years for a foul ball. <laughs> I've waited a lot longer than, than, he, than he has. And I've seen grown men and women give that ball to a child, and, and what happens? The child throws it back, throws it out somewhere. I've seen it on TV. You've seen it, too. I mean, they just, that's what it's like to receive a gift in vain. It's like I have no idea what it's worth is. I have no idea its significance. Just, just pitch it out there. Paul is saying, don't receive God's grace like that. You know the other passage, right, that talks about in vain. Thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. You know, as a kid, I used to think that that was restrictive to my language, right? I could say some things, but I can't say other things. And, and referring to God's name in, a, in, a, uh, in, in any kind of a flippant manner uh, was inappropriate. I learned that as a, as a young child. 
I don't think that's what that verse means at all, quite frankly. I mean, I still think it's important not to do that. But, but the truth is, whenever we misrepresent God, whenever we live in a way that is indistinguishable to others that we are children of God, we are living in vain. We are taking the name of God in vain. We're just like a small child throwing the ball back when we've received this, this precious gift doing that and he says you you can't can't do that we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain years ago uh, there was a movie out uh called quiz show and and I, I remember watching that movie it was about a you know one of the quiz shows on tv and and uh the contestant the star contestant had been getting fed the answers. At first, he was kind of fed the questions and then fed the answers. And he's confessing that to his father, who was a professor at a university in the pinnacle of integrity. And, and, and he goes to his father and he tells him about it. And his father is, is understandably upset. And the son gets uh, uh, defensive. And he says to him, he says, it's just TV. It's only entertainment. It has nothing to do with you. And the father looks at his son and just with pure pointedness looks at him and says, your name is mine. I have every right to take this personally. I don't know if it's ever happened to you where you're watching a movie and all of a sudden God just kind of squeezes in and sits right down beside you. I mean, this was one of those moments where I just kind of felt God kind of squeezing in beside me and said, did you just hear what he said? Your name is mine. I have every right to take this personally. And it was as if God was saying to me, that's, that's how I feel about the way you live your life. Everywhere I go, as a child of God, I'm carrying this precious gift called the grace of God. God has every right to take it personally, how I live my life, how I spend that grace, how I offer it to others, how I behave with others, how I offer myself to God, how I behave with God. I bear God's name, and so do you. And when we forget that, we start running under our own power. Our bishop, in one of the very first sermons I ever heard him preach, says, too often we operate like functional atheists, as if it all depends on us. And when we do that, we're taking God's grace in vain. We're receiving God's grace in vain. We're not, we're not living into the full potential that God has given us in, in this wonderful, wonderful grace. And, and we find ourselves running on empty. It's not long before, if we're operating under our own power of, as if it all depends on us, it won't be long before we get frustrated and, 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 and tired and, and um, out of energy. But God says, I give you this grace. Paul says, it's time to stop running on empty. Run, run, receive God's grace with, for all it's worth. And then, and then it's time to embrace the now. Paul did what Paul did so well. He took an Old Testament passage, reached way back there in Isaiah, where the people of Israel have gone to the rivers of Babylon, and according to Psalm 137, they hung up their harps and they wept and said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And, and, and there Isaiah tells them, well, just, just wait. For, for the Lord says, in the 
time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. It was, a, it was a futuristic statement. What he was saying to the people of Israel is, you won't be here forever. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to get you out of it. This isn't the end of your story. There's so much more to your story. And then Paul does this. He takes that Isaiah passage, and he brings it right to now, and says, oh, by the way, now is the time of God's favor. Amen. Now is the day of salvation. We get to inherit it in its full. It's right here. It's here. Deliverance is here. Oh, the rivers of Babylon still exist. There's still exiles. There's still troubles. But we have a promise that's there that, that's just so incredibly powerful that it rests on us. It says, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. It's with us. I don't know how your now has been in the past 14, 15 months since March of 2020, but, but my now has been interrupted. It's just felt weird. I mean, I, I did not expect two years ago to be carrying a mask everywhere I go. I'm, I mean, I'm ready to put it on. And, 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 and all the time, I, I look for the signs. Mask required, okay, I've got one. I've got one. How many times have you turned around? Oh, I forgot my mask. I never thought this was going to happen. I, I never even envisioned this. I, I, finally, I mean, we had enough of it like six months into it. And my wife and I decided to take a road trip up through the national parks of Utah and just uh, drive through there. And then we had some friends that have a place up in, up in Colorado. And so we, we stayed in their place. They weren't there. We made sure because, you know, the germs, as my granddaughter says, and, and, and so, you know, we, we were just, I mean, we were like sneaking into places, you know, just go in and get the food and take it home and, you know, eat it by ourselves not to get the germs, and, and so, uh, so we're up there, and, and finally I, I venture out to go into Boulder, Colorado, and my wife was shopping, and I was enjoying uh, the, a little meal there on the patio, just a little afternoon snack, and, and, and the waitress came up to me to bring me the ticket, and it, it, it kind of went like this. You know, I'm sitting there eating because, you know, and because I was eating, I didn't have my mask on. I don't know if you've found this to be true, but it's very hard to eat with a mask on. And so, so she comes up and she sees that I don't have a mask on, right? And so she kind of comes to where waits till I'm inhaling and, and then drops the ticket on the table and then steps back with her mask on and just kind of looks at me warily, you know, as if I'm the one who actually originated these germs. I was the one that introduced them <laughs> to the world. And she's looking at me, and I, and I looked at her. She was a young, young woman, and, and, and you could see fear written all over her face, rightfully so. This is not a, a toying matter. And, she, and I looked at her, and I said, I, I promise you, it will not always be this weird. I don't know what gave me the reason to say that. I, I didn't think it was going to be weird as long as it has been. But, I, I, but anyway, and, and she, she just kind of sighed and said, I am over this already. I am ready to do my job the way I know how to do my job, and that's to be nice to people. I mean, she, she realized she, had, she was so distanced from us. And, and again, again, the Lord did that thing that he did in the movie that I was talking about, just kind of squeezed in right between us, not even paying attention to the mask rule, and says to me, uh, um, 
this is the only now you're going to have. This is it. Don't wait for this to be over to do any kind of kingdom work. Don't wait for this to be over. Don't be hiding out in some, some, some friend's house or running to and fro, sneaking your food into the house and, and just be an ambassador of good news. I didn't have to be a, you know, a, a, a propagator of germs, but I, but I could relax a little bit, be a little bit more kingdom-minded. At that time, I was reading a book uh, called Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. There was a, a, lot, a, a, a section in that, a passage in that that just grabbed me. Listen to it. She says, we look at the night sky and see planets and stars as specks of salt and single grains of sand, reminding us how small we are. How insignificant our worries of the moment, how brief our time is on this planet, and we wish to be part of something bigger than ourselves, to magnify our significance, to matter somehow more than the dust that we are. Even the longest lived of our species spans, spans but a blink of time in human history. Now, at the one hand, that was a sobering phrase, right? It just reminds you how tiny our spot is in the human continuum. But on the other hand, it says, and in that little spot, God takes interest. I was riding a, 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 a bike with my four, uh, almost five-year-old granddaughter, the firstborn granddaughter. By the way, uh, when I was told that she was coming, I didn't say it's time. And I said, well, it's about time. Uh, so, um, <laughs> but, but yesterday, she, we were sitting on a, on a bench. We'd been riding our, our little bikes uh, on the bayous of Houston. And so we sat down, and, and uh, I don't know what brought it up, but she said, do you know who I love the most? So I went with the safe one, right? Mom? Uh, Dad? Nope. Nana? Nope. Well, before I said my name, which, you know, secretly I hoped was the answer, uh, I, I, I resorted to my Sunday school lesson, you know. Jesus? Yeah, it's Jesus, she says. And, and then assures me that, uh, and I said, and do you know who loves you most? And, uh, and I said, Jesus. And she said, well, Jesus can't love me more than anybody else. I said, no, but he loves you more than anyone else does. And, uh, and think about that aside, uh, alongside Isabel Wilkerson's quote talking about the, the brief span of our time and just a blip in human history. And, and yet, God loves you more than anyone else loves you. Let that sink in. And it tells you the importance of this moment. It might be fleeting. It might be just one of, of, of trillions in human history. But, but it's a moment that God notices. It's a span that God, it's a time of God's favor. It's a day of God's salvation. And it's here. It's here with us right now, even now. It's time then. So I, I, I determined at that spot in the little outdoor cafe in Boulder, Colorado, that, that I was going to heed God's 
message to me that now is the only now I have and love and hope and savor those moments and observe what's happening around me and listen to those who are in my presence and lean in toward reconciliation and justice in so many different areas of life. Now is the only now that we have, but it's a good now and we can embrace it. And the last thing I want to point out in this passage is, is what you heard almost in exclamation points in this passage. Now is the day of salvation. Now it is the day of salvation. It's time to realize our salvation. The, the, one of the commentators, uh, Paul Barnett, wrote in his commentary of this, I love this line, the sun has not yet set in the day of salvation. You know, the day that, that, that Paul announced to the, uh, to the Corinthians, the sun has not yet set in that day. It's still ours. And then, and then he, he uses real fancy phrase and said, this is an eschatological, soteriological claim of Paul's. Well, having spent quite a bit of money to go to seminary a number of years ago, I mean, I kind of got that line that the, the eschaton, the eschatological, what that says is something's promised out here that's already started right here. I mentioned my almost five-year-old granddaughter. I've got another granddaughter, my third, on her way in just a couple of months. And, and, and I have seen the eschatological hope. You know, they told us months ago that she was going to have a baby, but I, I couldn't really tell. There was no evidence of that until recently. And now that she's seven months along, she's starting to show some evidence, display some evidence. By the way, she... she uh, we were informed yesterday um, that when you s behold that evidence, uh, she didn't have to tell me this, but she said, don't touch my belly. <laughs> and my 87-year-old my, my uh, mother-in-law said, why? <laughs> and my response was, well, it's her belly. Uh, so probably not a good idea. But, uh, but, but, uh, but what, that, what that speaks to me is that's the, that's the promise that God has given to us. It's already happening. It's not something that we got to do to bring it into being. It's already there. You can see the growing expectation of it. And the same thing is true with our own salvation. Oh, it's not fully here yet. We know we've got some shortcomings, but it's promised. It's on the way. And because it is, it affects the way we live today. What has been promised, what has been started, is affecting how we live. Today is the day of our salvation, affects how we live. Now is the day of salvation. It's not something that uh, uh, waits us out there. I mean, it's, it's been a, a, a weird year, to be sure. I mean, all, all, all this, uh, you know, we've got, you know, bread and juice and hand sanitizer, uh, all the necessary elements. Uh, I mean, this is, this is our lives, right? We carry around hand sanitizer. We carry around masks. We socially distance. We try to, try to uh, um, uh, mitigate the effect of this disease. And, uh, and yet, we hear God saying, now is the time of God's favor. Now 
is the day of salvation. Friends, it's not about time. It's time. It's time. And that's why, as, as Mark reminded us, Christ our Lord invites us to this his table. Those who earnestly repent of our sins seek to live in peace with one another. And so we made that confession that says, we're not there yet, but there's this eschatological, soteriological claim on our lives that pulls us into God's preferred future. It's time. It's time to own who we are. It's time to embrace God's grace. It's time to, to, to embrace the now. It's time to embrace this day of salvation and these elements of grace.